Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia. WinBet is now live in all these states, and the excitement of Win Las Vegas has finally landed in online sports betting and casino play. From boosted parlays to live in-game odds on every major sport, WinBet gives you the tools to win. Sign up today for your risk-free $1,000 sports bet. Download the WinBet app now or visit wynnbet.com to start winning. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History final. Bang! Tie game with five seconds remaining. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle bunch. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you into Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me on gambling Twitter at UndercoverGreg. And I'm joined by our college basketball specialist, but also somebody that we like to sprinkle in in the summertime for the golf majors. None other than Bill Christie at Larry's Locks 2 joining us to preview the 2022 PGA Championship at Southern Hills Golf Club in Tulsa. Bill, good to have you back aboard again. I know it's been about a month since we last connected over the Masters. What's new with you, my guy? Yeah, not much. I was talking to you before we started taping. Uh, Took the family on a Disney cruise this past week. It's been three years in the making. COVID has delayed it. Over 1,800 days, I think it ended up Now, let me ask you, do you – is that, you know, more of a for-the-kids thing, or can the adults still get their own enjoyment out of that? It's for everybody. It's crazy. I'm not a a Disney guy at all. Whatever. Because I have kids. They watch it. I watch it. Um, But Disney does everything right, man. They have a kids' club where you can literally 9 a.m. put your kid in the kids' club and then not see him again until you're ready to go to bed. It's it's crazy. It is. It's absolutely crazy. So very, very good experience. Fun time. But uh, happy to be on some dry land now and and able to watch some sports because that was the worst part about it. No Internet on the cruise. Uh, You only got Disney Channel. So ABC and ESPN was the only lifeline to sports. Um, So, yeah, it was nice to get back and, and get back to watching some NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs. And, yeah, now we got the. The second major of the season for PGA. 
Yeah, I'll tell you, as we sit here, I'm, I, I got Miami this morning at minus two, and then I see the news about Al Horford and Marcus Smart, and I'm like, well, it's good in theory, but I've been down this road before, and it doesn't <laughs> always end that way. And watching that first half, I was like, well, here we go again. But Miami is seemingly right of the ship here, leading by four halfway through the third quarter, so hopefully they can get me home. Yeah, I hope so, too. I'm, I'm rooting for Miami now that our Sixers are yeah, God. Fortunately, Real quick on that, I mean, what are you doing this offseason? I mean, obviously, I would love if they moved on from Harden, but I don't know that that's realistic given Daryl's affinity for the guy. I was really hoping that they would be moving on from Doc, and maybe there will be, whether it be the Lakers or one of these other teams, that there could be mutual interest and, and we there could be a trade. That would be great. But uh, I'll tell you what, if these two guys are back – I hate to say it, but it almost like doesn't matter that much to me what the rest of the roster looks like. It's going to be hard for me to be that juiced about next season. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It, it, it's it's tough. You know, I, I didn't expect Harden to be the Harden of five six years ago, but um, the fact that he's going to want what he's going to want in terms I mean, of the dude, contract. like he looks almost washed at 32. It's really concerning given well, that he's now going into free agency. I know he's got the opt-in year, but... Yeah, I just... You can't pay a guy that much money who's only taken nine shots in the playoffs. Right. You know? Yeah. And so, we'll see what happens, but obviously a, a rough way to bow out there in the NBA playoffs last week. Let's jump into some golf now, as that's what we're here to do. Uh, and Again, uh, you know, we don't do a ton of golf here on Full Slate, but we definitely run through the majors and give some recaps and previews and things of that nature. And again, always important to notify. And, and, and uh, you know, I, I think uh, a lot of this is just determining how you best want to use your guys and, and, and the options that are at your disposal. Bill's going to give out a lot of different plays. I, I mostly early in the week, as I still call Tuesday early in the week, even though we're less than 48 hours from the first tee and balls in the air at Southern Hills. Um, I kind of just identify guys I like, and then I'll look at my book and tweet out some matchups and different plays. But I will bet all my guys in the outright market. And I know you're on uh, all sorts of different uh, plays. So it, it is important to kind of understand that there's a lot out there for golf. And, you know, we do a lot of college hoops. And, you know, uh, obviously, particularly in college sports, you basically just get your traditional markets. Uh, and, and you see more props, obviously, with professional sports. But, uh, you know, obviously an abundance of options and uh, and you're looking at all sorts of stuff here, it looks like, on your card. Yeah, I like to try and mix it up for, for the golf tournaments. I, I feel like there's always value in different slots. Um, and, you know, like I mentioned to you, I, I have a guy to make, guy to miss the cut. Um, they're pretty much staples of, of my plays for golf. I always, especially the majors, I always like to take one guy for each side to make or to miss. Yeah, I always feel like we can find value there. Um, but yeah, I have a ton of different things. I don't know if you want me to dive into to some well, of the stuff. Well, before we do, uh, I mean, we are a gambling podcast. Let's just briefly touch on the fact that the defending champion here is not at Southern Hills. Of course, the defending champion at the PGA last year at Kiowa was Phil Mickelson. And I, I don't know how closely you followed the story, but just any thoughts on just what a fall from grace it's been for Lefty the last 365 days? Yeah, I, I really can't wrap my head around it, to be honest. Like you said, like, 
he he was the fan favorite. He, I mean, in in a lot of people's minds, I guess he still is. But um, you know, he he's really burning a lot of bridges <laughs> with with this. It feels like he's kind of like making his own bed here. Yeah, yeah, and I I feel like somewhat like he thinks that, or at least he thought that there was going to be a a good amount of talent that was going to follow him over there, but. <laughs> It doesn't seem like there's really anything coming with them. Well, right. And, and, and you know, I, I think so often, especially in, you know, I know basketball is a team sport, but it's all about kind of the individual stars along the way. And we hear about all sorts of legacy conversations come NBA playoff time in a negative light right now with Chris Paul. And certainly when you look at what Luka Doncic is doing right now with Dallas at just the ripe age of 23, uh, you know, an interesting early chapter in, in his legacy conversation right now. Um, but specifically with golf, obviously it's an individual sport. How much do you think this might kind of loom over him as his career fades and ends? If this is how it ends, I mean, you know, this is more than just a footnote on the guy's career at a certain point, right? Yeah. It's funny you're saying that. Cause I was thinking today, what an awesome 30 for 30. <laughs> right. Yeah, crazy. there you go. Honestly, I mean, think about it. Like, he's a guy who he struggled so much being in Tiger's shadow his entire career. It took forever for him to win a major. You know, he wins over the hearts of most golf fans. Uh, he's known as, like, the nicest guy. Then you have the, the gambling issues <laughs> that have kind of been well documented. Right. Uh, and then he's getting into the twilight of his career, and he comes out last year, and he wins the PGA, like – the world he seemed to be and now all of a sudden because of the saudi deal that he's backing like i said it's going to put a huge blemish on his legacy potentially and you know it would be a shame if that's how he goes out that he just you know makes his own bed and lies in it where well and and the thing is too bill it's one thing if we're talking about you know a random guy you know or, or or somebody that you know, you look at the guys that have gotten in trouble in Major League Baseball for PED violations. They're not all Barry Bonds or Roger Clemens type of household names. You know, you'll see some randoms that are, are also violators of the, you know, the drug policy and and get suspended for huge durations of games. Uh, and so we're not talking about that here. And we're also not talking about a guy that was really super polarizing or guy that's you know, like a Bryson DeChambeau that a lot of people dislike as much as they like. I mean, this is, as you said, like a fan favorite on the tour. And uh, I think that also kind of adds an element of, you know, weirdness to this whole thing is that everybody seemed to like the guy and I'm sure a lot of people still do, but I'm sure there's also a lot of people scratching their heads thinking like, what the hell's going on here? And, and how do I kind of comprehend, uh, you know, my feelings towards this guy, somebody that I've, spent most of my sports fandom enjoying and enjoying his presence and enjoying watching him play, you know? Yeah. I think that if he does come back though, I feel like he's just going to be welcomed with open arms from probably 90% of the public that that are out there. But it does, it does lead to an interesting story of what could be in the twilight of his career here. Last thing here before we get into our picks uh, and maybe he's involved in your picks, but obviously Uh, Anytime Tiger Woods is on the golf course, everybody's going to be keeping an eye on him. And, uh, you know, we are obviously a month further on here from the Masters. And, you know, you would hope that he's in better physical condition and able to 
go 72 holes and hold up a little bit more and, you know, make the cut and take it from there. Just uh, what do you think we'll see from Big Cat this week? Yeah, I mean, two things. One, we're talking about lefty, right, and what a 30-for-30 story that could be. Yeah. Jesus Christ, talk about the polar opposite in a way, like what Tiger has been through, and now all of a sudden he's trying to climb his way back to the top. Um, But, hey, 2007 was the last time the PGA Championship was at Southern Hills, correct? That's correct. Who won it and then? he won, yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I, I, look, I'm intrigued anytime Tiger's on the course. Um, obviously, the Masters story was just incredible. Um, I don't think it's going to be as much of a buzz going into this one. Right. One, because it's not the – PGA is not the Masters. Um, to me, it's probably the lowest-tiered uh, major, um, especially for casual fans. Yeah, I'd agree. But – um. But I think the story just in general, just to see where he can come. If he can make the cut and, you know, be in contention throughout the weekend, um, just riding that momentum from what he had in the Masters, it's all that's going to do is just uh, churn the story and, and get people more excited for the U.S. Open and then the final of the Open um, with him having two more stabs at it this year after this one to get another major and, and like he's been doing, chasing Jack down. Yeah, I mean that's the thing. It's it's one of those things where uh, he kind of always commands that respect and attention uh, on the golf course. And like you said, it's not the Masters. I'm sure the television ratings won't be that high uh, relative to the Masters, but still relative to other PGAs, I'm sure there could be more people tuning in. Especially if we get we get that first round tease, which we kind of got. If you remember at the Masters, I think he shot 71 in the mm-hmm. first round and all things considered, that was a very impressive first round at Augusta. So if we can get, you know, an under par first round from tiger, I think again, that will certainly, uh, you know, ramp up the interest from a lot of casuals as the weekend progresses. Yeah, no doubt about it. So, all right, let's jump into it. And uh, I'm going to run through a lot of my guys that I like. And again, I should clarify every name I say here, I'll give an outright price and somebody that I will play in the outright market. And I want to uh, actually talk about another big name on the tour uh, and somebody that I think uh, obviously at a short price is able, is very live to win the PGA Championship this week. And that's going to be Jordan Spieth, the Texas Longhorn, who uh, I'm sure has, uh, you know, playing his college golf there, I'm sure is familiar to an extent with uh, Southern Hills, which is in Tulsa. Uh, so obviously not too far from uh, the University of Texas. And, uh, you know, I, I think that anytime you have that kind of regional, he's from Dallas, so you have that kind of, every time you look at some of these handicaps and different people that research it, you'll hear them talk about course familiarity, conditions, things like that. And it seems like there could be some wins this week uh, in Tulsa. So I, again, I think Spieth being from close to that area, uh, as I said, from Dallas will probably uh, help him feel a little bit at home. And he's just coming in really playing uh, tip-top shape. He uh, won at the RBC Heritage last month, finished second at the Byron Nelson, the AT&T event this past weekend. Um, and, uh, you know, not that this would diminish his motivation, but it certainly can't hurt the fact that he, the PGA is the only 
Grand Slam or uh, major that he hasn't won. So he needs this to complete the career Grand Slam, uh, and he would become the sixth man to do so in the Masters era. So uh, you given again, I really like his recent form, uh, and he's aged. He's 28 years old. He'd be the third youngest to complete the career Grand Slam behind only Tiger Woods, who did it at 24, and Jack Nicklaus, who did it at 26. So uh, really, it's just a play on a guy who I think is back to being one of the best golfers in the world. And, you know, this was a guy that came on. And if, if everybody remembers in 14, 15, 16, he really just burst onto the scene, went in those majors and, uh, you know, really should have won the Masters. Uh, I think it was three years in a row if because uh, I believe he's won one twice. I'm going to look that up again. But I know that he was, uh, you know, right there uh, in uh, or did he finish second one year? He's, he's had a lot of good results at Augusta early on in his career. And, um, yeah, he won in 15 and 14 and 16. He was very close. That's what it was. So, um, I, I, you know, he finished second at the PGA in 2015, you know, and won the open in 2017 and, and then 18, 19, 20 kind of saw him dip off a little bit. I think he's back to that form. So I, I like Spieth in terms of the top dogs. He's probably my favorite uh, in terms of the short prices. Uh, any thoughts on where he's at? And again, relative to other players in this price range, Patrick Cantlay, John Rahm, Justin Thomas, anybody else really kind of jump out at you? Yeah. Um, I, like, I like what you had to say about him, about Jordan. Um, I hope you're right. Cause I really, really enjoy watching him. He was like my next tiger, N- not to put him in that. Ilk, right. But as far as like, I was excited to watch him play every tournament. Like I was with tiger, um, and you mentioned in that 14, 15, 16 stretch when he burst onto the scene. Look, up until the last two years of the PGA, he's been super consistent. I would argue he's one of the most consistent players at the PGA. Right. Second, like you mentioned, 15, followed out with a 13th finish, 28th, then 12th, then finished third in 2019. And that's when we saw him kind of fall off. I won't mention why I think he fell off, <clears throat> wife, but uh, – he finished 71st, barely making the cut in 2020, you know, and, and, he, and he came back a bit, finishing 30th last year. And like you said, his recent form finished first, um, winning the RBC Heritage, and then obviously in the Byron Nelson finishing second. He, he does look like the old Jordan. I hope that he continues to be that way because I think the game's super exciting when he is. Um, and like you mentioned some of those other names, um, I tend to stay away from the bigger names uh, just because I feel like the prices – are just not as good as I would like it. And I like, I like taking those types of guys though. Um, when I can get them in a matchup that I think is, I was uh, going to say, right. You can always do that too, where if you don't like a, a price on the outright market, you can take one of them head to head, probably against another one in that top tier. Right. Cause yeah. it, again, nothing drives me more crazy with golf <laughs> is taking a guy for an outright and seeing him finish in the top five or even worse finish in second and you're getting nothing for it. Right. You know, and that drives me crazy. But when you take a guy, you know, of that caliber and you put him in a matchup with somebody, you know, he might not even have to make the cut necessarily in order to win your to win your matchup. So I like to play it that way. I know other guys uh, like to play the, the outright. Yeah, also give out a make miss cut prop. But I think that's uh, also where you want to look at some of this stuff. And and uh, like it's important to understand, I think this is something that I always try and. Uh, get to the bottom of and understand that golf just in general is a very high variance game, right? You can have it one week and the next week you can miss the cut. And we were just talking about speed, like his career in a lot of ways is kind of encapsulates that where 
he kind of fell off the face of the earth those last few years, but was, uh, you know, and that might be being putting it a little harsh, but he obviously wasn't the same player for, uh, you know, a stretch there, but was amazing to start his career and looks to be right back at that level now. Um, so in terms of narrowing that down to just one specific event, like I mentioned those guys, JT, Rom, Dustin Johnson hasn't been in tip top shape. Like the one, maybe more of those guys will just, outright missed the cut and, and you can get a big price there in that market or whether it comes to the matchups, things like that. Um, taking some stances against a few of those guys who we don't necessarily like, like John Rahm hasn't won the Mex He won the Mexican open. That was his first win in almost a year. So, you know, sometimes finding different ways to take stances against some of those top guys can really give you a nice payout on uh, whether it be a make miss cut prop or fading them in matchups, things of that nature. Well, that's going to be a nice little leeway into my first play. <laughs> um, and I am taking this bait hook, line, and sinker. Uh, I got Brooks Kepka over Sam Burns at, on FanDuel at plus 120 for the tournament. Look, I get that Brooks hasn't been his normal self this year to this point. Um, and when you talk about volatility or variance, I mean, Brooks is that guy, right? Like oh, yeah. he, he can miss three straight cuts and then all of a sudden come out and win a tournament. It's just like a switch with him. Um, and though at the Masters, people were pretty high on him. He ended up make, missing the cut. I feel like he is being uh, not talked about as much as he should be uh, coming into this weekend, being a guy who, who, uh, who has won this event twice Um and oh, he has five top five finishes, including two wins over the last seven years in this event. I mean, come on. <laughs> the guy knows what he's doing at the PGA Championship. I don't know if you saw this today or not, but he apparently got his keys locked in his car when he was headed over to uh, Southern Hills for the press conference. Did you, see, did you catch that? Yeah, yeah, no, I did see this. <laughs> so, like... This guy, he can be a goof at times, too, um, but I, I like him in this spot over Sam Burns. Burns hasn't been, you know, lighting the world on fire either, um, and if I'm getting a guy like Brooks, who has an incredible track record uh, in this event, for plus 120, I'm getting plus money on this, and all he's got to do is just beat Sam Burns. Like I said, Brooks is a guy that can get out there and win. I think I saw him at 55-1, to 1, which is pretty wild, too. Um but if I can get plus money on a matchup where I just need him to beat one guy, I'm taking it. So my first play is Brooksy over Burns for the tournament, plus 120 on FanDuel. Yeah, I honestly like this a lot. I was looking at Kepka, and I may actually use this exact play if I can get it in my book because I think uh, you're onto something there in terms of the the variance of Kepka. If like. How many times are you going to get Brooks Kepka in a matchup against a player of Sam Burns? And listen, nothing against Sam Burns. Like he's a nice player. But yeah. uh, how many times are you going to get him in a matchup against one of the guys outside of that top tier and get him at a plus price, you know? Um, and, yeah, like he hasn't played since the Masters. But I don't think that's as much of a concern when you talk about – we, we talk about Brooks almost all the time on these pods because we just always give him – respect and he has earned this kind of respect at majors and so uh you know i what i'm getting at is for some guys having not played in a month 
that might kind of steer you off and you might look elsewhere. But I, I think Kepka is a perfect example of somebody that it, it, it creates some betting value on because we just expect him to show up whether he's coming in not playing well or in this case coming in having not really played much at all lately. Right, and he's made no bones about it. Like he's all about the majors. He give a shit about right. any tournament that's going on. And the fact that he played so poorly at the Masters, and like you said, he took a month off. What do you think he's been doing for that month? You right. don't think yeah, he's been point. focusing on how to how to win the PGA, get his third victory, get his get his fifth major? I mean, come on, he, he's going to be all about this tournament. I can't imagine him coming in and putting a performance like he had at the Masters at this one. Okay, I'm going to jump down uh, the odds board just a little bit. I mentioned Spieth. He's at 15 to 20 to 1 at most shops. I'm going to go to an Irishman in Shane Lowry who's uh, getting about 28, 30 to 1. And he's another guy that is rounding into form heading into this event. Tied for third both at the Masters and the RBC Heritage. And I talked about how there could be some wind gusts and things could be a little blustery at Southern Hills this weekend. Well, that's something that really plays to Shane Lowry's game. He won the Open Championship in 2019 at Royal Portrush. And uh, I think this is one of those guys, you get guys like this in this kind of fringe of the top tier price range in the outright market, or maybe the, 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 the beginning of the next tier, where your average person might say, oh, you know, is does he deserve to be in the same category as a Justin Thomas or, you know, uh, Jordan Spieth? He's not that much further down the outright market board on. So his name doesn't necessarily stand out as much to the average guys or to the casual fan, let's say. But I, I think I've seen enough in terms of a body of work of consistency from Lowry that I trust him. And like, it's not something where. I would just need a longer price to throw a dart on. As I said, he's coming in playing well. It seems like the conditions are going to suit his game well. Uh, I, I like the Irishman to be in contention on Sunday, and I like the fact that, obviously, as I said, third at the Masters, winning the Open Championship in 2019. That's the one thing you do worry about with some of these guys. You know, like Patrick Cantley is another guy that's always a shorter price in the outright market that has not won a major. Sometimes you wonder, well, what's their – performance like at majors can they acquit themselves well in the final 18 holes on a Sunday and I think Lowry can do that too so I definitely like the Irishman this week sure I mean he finished fourth last year he got an eighth place sure. finished 2019 he's certainly capable of it um no pushback on 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 Shane from me for sure um I'm gonna take this real quick I don't know did you did you see that the tea times have come out for Thursday yeah they have yeah uh, so by the way, that's always something that can be worth if you play the round matchups that yeah. can always be worth looking at in terms of the conditions and yes. which, uh, you know, group and uh, tea times like at the morning uh, flurry of tea times is going to score a little bit better. That's always something to, to look at. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'm going to my next play. Uh, it's going to take us to, in my opinion, <laughs> the best grouping. Uh on the first day, and that's Jordan Spieth, Rory McIlroy, yeah. and our boy Eldrick Tiger Woods. You mentioned I might have a play on him. I absolutely do. <laughs> and I like him to make the cut, just like I liked him to make the cut for the Masters. I got him at minus 115 on FanDuel. Um, and look, at you, you said it before with, with my Brooks play. You're not going to get this 
too often where a guy is going to get this type of price. We're getting Tiger to make the cut. I mean, we're talking about a guy who made, I don't know what it was at one point, like close to 100 straight cuts, or maybe it was closer to 200. I can't even remember. Um, but I'm going to be riding Tiger at the low odds until we fall off. Again, like I mentioned, he made the cut, the Masters. Now he's saying he feels even stronger heading into the PGA. He's got incredible success everywhere. We talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. The last time that the PGA was at Southern Hills, 2007, Tiger won it. I don't think he's going to win it. Um, I think he's going to make the cut. I think the fact that he's matched up here with Rory and Jordan, two of the top players in the world, is only going to motivate him more. Um, so I expect him to be playing through the weekend. Uh, and again, minus 115 on FanDuel. I, I don't think he can beat that price on, on Tiger to make the cut here. Yeah, uh, again, uh, certainly if, uh, piggybacking off what we were talking about with Brooks, same idea where obviously – even more so, you know, at, at Tiger's stage in his career, he's just looking at the majors. I mean, you're, you're, you you don't want to worry too much or read too much into, you know, I, I don't think he hasn't played an event since the Masters, right? Correct. Yeah, exactly. And, and if he had and missed the cut, like, you wouldn't necessarily put much stock into that anyway. Um, right. And, you know, I, I, I think you heard him say it. At the, you know, I, I think it was a Tuesday or a Wednesday press briefing at the Masters. He got asked straight up, do you think you can win? And he said he did. And obviously <laughs> that was a month ago when ideally we're thinking the guy's going to be in better uh, physical condition now. And so a player of, again, similar to what we were talking about with Brooks when it comes to the majors, but obviously amplified times 100 because we're talking about Tiger Woods when he's in these tournaments. Yeah, we can talk about, well, maybe he's not going to win or even be in contention on Sunday. And that's just us talking. But I really think he himself always thinks he can win. And I don't think he would participate if he didn't have that belief amongst himself. So you're getting somebody like that who we know is one of the greatest competitors in the history of the sport at minus $1.15 to make the cut. I mean, yeah, again, how do you say no? For sure. All right, I want to move on and go to, uh, you know, drift further down the odds board on the outright market. And I'm going to look to the Chilean Joaquin Neiman, who's at about 45, 50 to one to win this thing uh, and play him for uh, another sprinkle. And again, I, I should clarify that I probably will use a lot of my guys in different matchups and, and make missed cut props as well. Uh, but Neiman's a guy that comes in. uh in good form again, uh, finishing 25th at the Byron Nelson and 12th at the RBC Heritage. RBC Heritage was his most recent start. He's a long hitter, which should make it easier for him to hit some shorter irons and hit greens um, at Southern Hills. And I think the other thing that I really liked in doing some research on Neiman, uh, in his last 24 rounds played, he ranks sixth on the tour in strokes gained around the green. And uh, this is also a uh, bent grass putting surface, which Neiman has historically putted well on. So this should be a guy, I mean, even if you don't follow the PGA Tour, but you just play around the golf yourself, you know how great it can feel if you miss a green and are able to get up and down and make par. And those kind of taxing, grinding pars that really are bogeys for a lot of golfers. I'm sure a lot of guys on tour will tell you that's how you win majors is kind of grinding out some of those pars. I expect him to be able to do that 
quite a bit here. Um, and, you know, I think he's also, by the way, we've talked a lot about the heavy winds that could be in store in Tulsa this weekend. Uh, Neiman is ninth in the field in strokes gained in windy conditions. So I think a lot lines up here just for course conditions, his game, uh, recent form, all checking boxes for me to back Joaquin Neiman at 45-51. So he's going to be another guy I'm looking at. And again, using in some other ways as well this week. Gotcha. I don't have any uh, take really on Joaquin. Like you said, uh, he's had decent recent form. <clears throat> so I will wish you best of luck on that. I just gave out my play for uh, making the cut. I'm going to hand out sure. my play for missing the cut here. And uh, that's an Aussie. Well, Lucas Herbert, minus 125 on FanDuel. He's made just four of four. He's only made four cuts uh, in his last 10 starts this season on tour. Uh, he's made the cut in two of his three previous PGA championships, but not by much. He actually finished 71st, both in 2019 and 2021 with sandwiched in 2020, where he didn't miss the cut. Uh, this year he finished plus six through two rounds of the masters, obviously missed the cut there. Um, I expect him to struggle against again this week. Um, he, he's not a big name that's out there that, that, you know, is going to be a guy who's going to make waves. Um, and I think, Getting him at minus 125, it's a little bit juicy, but um, I liked him more than I liked anyone else uh, in the market there for missing the cut this weekend. So Lucas Herbert missed the cut, minus 125 on FanDuel. Yeah, and much like you mentioned with Joaquin, not somebody that I looked at a ton, um, but uh, I will say, uh, and I, I think you kind of hinted at it, I when you're talking about make-miss cut, I, I, I try not to uh, – you know, drink too much juice there. So I, I wouldn't want to go much juicier than minus a dollar twenty-five. I don't know if you feel that way as well, but that's just something generally speaking with the make miss cut. Like I look at a lot of this stuff as like dart throws, try and get some good prices. And, you know, if you like something up to minus a dollar ten, minus a dollar fifteen, I get it. But I, I don't like laying minus one thirty five, minus one forty in matchups and things like that. No, agreed. I'm with you on that. Yeah. All right, I'm going to give out a few guys that I like now uh, at 80 to 1, uh, and then I'll end with a, a, a super long shot. I always like to have one of those guys as well. Uh, but I'll just blend both of these guys in together for different reasons, both, but they're the same price at 80 to 1, at least that I got. Uh, and so I will start with Max Homa, uh, another guy who uh, I, I just feel is – Capable of winning events. I mean, he's won four times on the PGA Tour since May of 2019. So the last three count three years, basically, he's got four wins on the tour. And for some context, only Patrick Cantlay, Rory McIlroy, Colin Morikawa and Justin Thomas have won more since then. So uh, this is a guy that I, I again, I, I think I understand the fields maybe aren't always the same uh, in in that regard. But a guy that I think really turned his career around uh, in you go all the way back to the 16, 17 season, 17 starts. He missed the cut 15 times. So I think his game has just grown a lot in the last three years. And uh, I know that uh, he's somebody that hasn't necessarily translated a ton to uh, majors. And, you know, he's that's anytime you reach far, further and further down here, you always have to understand that there's going to be some blemishes and there are going to be some parts about different aspects of their game that 
result in a longer price. But this guy won the uh, Wells Fargo event uh, at the beginning of May. And, you know, he finished 13th at TPC Sawgrass at the Players back in middle of March. So um, I think there's enough entry at top 10 at the Genesis Invitational in the middle of February. So I'm intrigued enough by the Burbank, California native and the Cal Golden Bear to back Max Homa. And then the other guy uh, is a little more of a well-known guy who just has not been as consistent. And I think these are guys that I'm always interested in too, and much the same way, kind of not, not to the same level of a Brooks Kepka where you just expect him to show up in majors. But I think Tony Finau has earned enough respect in my book to where when he drifts out to a longer price, like he is now at 80 to one, I'm going to take a shot with him because he's somebody that it looks like he was having problems and, and really not playing well at the beginning of the calendar year. Uh, but he seems to be turning the corner and um, you know, he has a tendency to uh, kind of bounce back with uh, a really solid iron game and hit a lot of good approach shots. And, uh, you know, he had seven and a half uh, strokes gained was his average in that category in at the 2020 PGA championship. So, uh, you know, another guy that I mentioned that bent grass putting surface that seems to putt well, on this course. And when you couple that with his, uh, you know, approach game being decent, it's the type of thing where I think he can put himself in a lot of opportunities to make some birdies. And again, a player that, you know, this time a year ago would be right in the conversation with some of the other guys of best player that on the tour that hasn't won a major. So I, I think there's some betting value with him uh, in a lot of these markets and somebody I will look at uh, in, in a lot of other markets, as I said, as well. So Finau and Homa, a couple guys at 80 to one that I'm interested in. Yeah, I agree with you on Finau. Um, he definitely is a guy that should be in consideration, but unfortunately hasn't been playing up to his typical stature. Um, and, and, and Bill, I guess my point is going back to like the the whole like we've used the word high variance a lot, the term high variance with a lot of these guys. Like, you know, he has that game in him specifically with female. So sure. you can put it together for four rounds. Give yourself a chance. I'm going to like holding a ticket if I just see it, you know, fifth or sixth going into the final round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe my ticket won't win, but I'm going to have you at 80 to one and feel good about it. Yeah, I mean, he finished eighth last year, finished fourth the year previous yeah. in, the, in the PGA. So, yeah, he's got the chops to get it done. So, I like that play. Um, <clears throat> so, I'm going to stick uh, – you mentioned you have all these outright guys. Um, <clears throat> I want to give my – possibly my favorite play of the tournament, um, and that's a top 40 finish here. I got it at plus 180 on DraftKings. Um it just seems too good to be true. This guy has made the cut in every PGA Championship since 2015. He's finished inside the top 40 every year over the past six years at the PGA. He's been as he's been as consistent as anybody on tour, specifically in this event. So at almost two to one, I'm taking Webb Simpson top 40 sure. uh, okay. for this event. Again, it just doesn't seem fair that I'm getting almost two to one on this guy. 
who has just done nothing but finish inside the top 40 uh, year in and year out at this event. Uh, he hasn't been the web of old, I'd say, this season, um, but he absolutely has the ability to get inside the top 40 here for the seventh straight year. So I'm going to be riding that. Um, <clears throat> and then I'm going to just go jump real quick to my final play. Um, I like to take the tournament groups, usually take one guy um, at decent odds for the tournament. Uh, this bet uh, is through DraftKings. I got my guy at plus 330, um, and it's a matchup where he has to uh, score better than the other four players in the group. They have him with uh, Bezenhut, Munoz, Palmer, and Pereira. I am taking Justin Rose against those four at plus 330. Uh, again, he's another guy who hasn't been at the level he's been in years. He's obviously past his prime. However, he has finished in the top 10 in back-to-back PGA Championship starts. And then you combine that with the fact that he is one of the few top players that competed back in 2007 uh, when Southern Hills last hosted. He finished 12th in that event. I like him to be in contention here, um, certainly playing on the weekend. And really, those other four names, outside of what Munoz was able to do um, last week, none of those names really terrify me. Justin Rose against those types of players in a major, a guy who has an incredible pedigree of playing in majors and playing well. Um, over three to one odds again through DraftKings. I'm going to be firing on Justin here. Yeah, I I, I like uh, specifically what you were saying about Webb Simpson. I mean, I, I think he's another guy that kind of like what I was getting at with Lowry, where and obviously Lowry much shorter price, but there's certain guys where you see them up there and they're not the household names, but more often than not, I feel like I see a Webb Simpson on the you know, second page of a leaderboard on, on a Saturday or Sunday. And you're getting, you're talking about getting a guy at almost two to one, just to finish in the top 40 that again, has been good enough to give himself a lot of chances to win these major events. Um, I'm definitely not going to, not going to push back a ton on that. So I I definitely am kind of picking up what you're putting down there with Simpson. And again, somebody I I, I might look at uh, myself as well. Uh, My last guy. And again, uh, I should uh, reiterate again, I will, specifically pick some of my favorites uh, in some of the other markets as well. But when I do my preliminary research, I, I always like to play these guys on the outright price, just in the event that, Oh, one of these guys wins. I want the outright ticket. And uh, you know, I'll worry about and be pissed if I didn't take them. And so, um, you know, it's Spieth, Homa, Neiman, Finau, Lowry. And my last guy is just a total dart throw. And it's going to be Matt Wolf. I got him at 180 to one. Listen, it's been ugly. Okay. I get it. Uh, But I I think that his trajectory has, we, we talk about this a lot. We mentioned it was Spieth where like he just kind of fell off and was in a different place. And it feels like that's where Wolf has gone to. Um, But two years ago, this guy was like looking like a rising star in the sport. And, um, all you have to do, and this is, I shouldn't say all you have to do, because obviously <laughs> it's easier said than done, but put it together for four rounds and give yourself a chance. I talk about it, mentioned it with Fina, where like that talent is in there. Like it's the same person and it's just a matter of getting that 2020 Matt Wolf to show up in Tulsa this weekend. And I get it. It's ugly. You 
I'm not even saying you have to tail this at all or do anything with Matt Wolf if you don't want to, but uh, I will take a shot on somebody that I still think has a talent. And just in reading a lot, because I was he was a guy I was curious about when I started looking up some sleepers, because I always like a triple digit dart throw just for the fun of it. And it did seem like a lot of, and, and this doesn't surprise me because as I said, we saw this guy really play at a very high level a few years ago. It seems like a lot of the struggles for him have been mental. Now yeah. you, you could say, listen, that's it's golf. That's a big concern. It's an individual sport. And I'd understand that, but would you rather him be having problems between the ears or his game just completely go to shit. So I am going to take a chance that Matt Wolf maybe has something up his sleeve this week. Just a dart throw play. <laughs> yeah. Look, I, I actually really like Matt Wolf. I have a, a very, very close friend who is his wife is related to Wolf's girlfriend or something. I don't know. He hangs out with him every once in a while. And, and he's told me how, how nice of a guy he is. Um, so I root for him. But he, he, all due respect, he has one of the ugliest swings. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It is, and honestly, like we, you said, I, it's a big mental game, and, and it's been said that his his issues have been um, uh, with what's between his ears. Uh, and I think that kind of bleeds a little bit into that swing. When you, when you have a swing the way he does, it just seems like so many things can go wrong. I've always been a, a teacher and a proponent of – um, not having any wasted motion with athletics, whether it comes to basketball right. or baseball or golf. Um, and his swing, when you look at it, it just seems like there's so much extra motion in it. It just leads to so many things that could potentially go wrong. But like you said, he he still has the ability, right? Like he he's a guy who has one on tour. He's a guy, he's a younger guy who can still figure it out um, and, and make a run at it. But... <laughs> He he really is one or the other. Like he's either in contention or he's shooting like 15 over par. Yeah, like I'll I feel like I could. You'll know early. He could be five <laughs> over through three holes. Right. Yeah. You. I and I think honestly, I think you'll know where you stand after five holes because he might okay. he might be you know almost double digit over par or he's three under par. You know what I mean? You know he's right. going to be in contention. So at yeah. least with that ticket, you'll be able to either rip it up right away or or seal it up and, and hope to God that he's still in contention on Sunday. But yeah, it is fun to play those guys at 180 to one. I mean, you know, you only got to put a couple, a couple of nickels on it, and and hopefully be able to cash out later on and make some money. So, right. all the best of luck to you on there. And again, all due respect, Mr. Wolf. Uh, I like your game, but I'll be rooting for you. But it has been ugly. Any last words, Bill? Uh, plans for 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 the weekend? You're gonna be able to watch most of it. You know, like what 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 do you got going on in the next few days? Well, you know, I have two young kids, so I, makes, I get it. It makes everything tough to watch, but like I tell everybody, that's why there's two TVs. I always have an extra TV laying around <laughs> that I can plug in, and the fact that it's sports, I don't have to listen to the commentary, so I can yep. mute it. A kid watch their shows, so I'll definitely be tuning in. And I, I know I told you before, I probably mentioned on the on the on the pod um, that I enter this enormous uh, tournament every year, all the majors. Um, there's a big big pool. Uh, I think for the Masters, the guy finished with like 800 some entries, $25 a pop, and it's like wow, ridiculous payouts. We actually, I split it with my brother-in-law and two other guys. We put a bunch of different entries in, and we split the winnings. I think we finished. This is the first time I think we've cashed uh, in the last couple of years, but um, I think we finished. It was fifth, but 
super exciting on Sunday to be in contention. How many how many payouts in that pool? He pays out. I think it's like eight, eight or nine, okay. depending on how many entries. Um, but first place is just obviously tiered so much more money that way. Um, like the, I think the guy that won it for the Masters, I can go back and check it, but I want to say that he cleared probably 10k, something like that. So. Wow. It's it's a lot of money on the line. It's fun. It makes it it makes it even more exciting. Not just the bets that you have, but when you can get into some of those pools like that, it's a lot of fun. So I'll be looking forward to that. Well, certainly wishing you good luck there and uh, enjoy the PGA Championship. And I guess we'll uh, reconvene for the U.S. Open. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All righty. He's Bill Christie at Larry's Locks Two on Gambling Twitter. I'm Greg Frank at Undercover Greg on Gambling Twitter. Follow the podcast as well. Our buddy Alex. Always doing a great job with some content at full underscore slate underscore pod. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. Everyone, enjoy the PGA Championship. Enjoy the Stanley Cup playoffs, NBA playoffs, regular season baseball, whatever floats your boat this time of year. There are plenty of options. And, of course, please play responsibly.